When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, hey, What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 427 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. Ben Fadden with you here. It is July 13th, 2023. Padres, they resume their season on Friday. So this is the last day off for Padres fans, for obviously the players. And then tomorrow we're going to get to enjoy some baseball again. Finally, I know we got baseball technically on Monday with the home run derby. We got baseball on Tuesday with the all-star game, but it hasn't been Padres baseball. It's been, it feels like it's been a while since we got to see those guys in the brown and gold. So it'll be fun to see that tomorrow uh, with the first pitch on the West coast being a little after three o'clock and East coast time in Philly first to four, it's going to be at six Oh five. Uh, so I wanted to touch on some topics tonight. Um, again, I am not in my normal location. I am in Minnesota, and so I'm probably not going to be very loud, kind of like last show, because there are people upstairs, and so I want to be considerate of them and not be yelling about the Padres and while they're trying to sleep. Uh, but just want to give some thoughts on the schedule the rest of the way, just kind of previewing the unofficial second half of the Padres season. Do I think this team can make the postseason? What A.J. Preller might do at the deadline? And I can give out some predictions on kind of this unofficial second half. Like, who do I think is going to step up the most? Do I think someone's going to get traded? Who is that? Uh, and if you have any thoughts on that, feel free to put your thoughts in the comments as well. Just a reminder before we get going here, use my code TALKINGFRIARS for $20 off on SeatGeek. And the Breaking Tea link is also in the description from some great San Diego sports swag, Padres, Aztecs, Wave. Uh, I'll talk more about Gaglion and Bros here in a little bit. Underdog Fantasy, you can click that link in the description or use my code TALKINGFRIARS. You will get a deposit match free up to $100 for your first deposit with Underdog Fantasy. Uh, great pickums, and you can, it's not just baseball. There's other sports in there as well. There's some great fantasy drafts, so I definitely recommend that to you. Uh, and I'll be back with the pregame thoughts tomorrow, having my underdog fantasy pick like I do 
before every game during the season. Um, let's start off here with the Padres schedule here. There's a critical, it's a critical 10 game stretch. If you're watching on the YouTube stream, you will see that part of the headline here, 10 game stretch Padres are entering a critical 10 game stretch. And it's critical because you don't have the momentum. Like I talked about on previous shows, don't have the momentum, right? You had a good homestand, but that means nothing. If you can't follow it up, you've had four days off. It's not like you can just keep playing good baseball. No, their players went home. They relaxed. Xander Bogarts might not have even picked up a bat until Friday. Uh, at least that's what he mentioned on Sunday after the series finale there against the Mets. He was thinking about not even picking up a bat. So these guys, they are relaxed uh, and they're going to get back and ready to go. And 10 games on the road, you don't have the home fans to cheer you on. So we'll see what they're made of. And the timing is big as well. It's also crucial because after this 10-game road trip, it's going to be pretty much the end of July, near the end of July, and there's going to be like a week left before the trade deadline. So this 10 games, if they have a good 10 games, then maybe they'll be over 500. If they don't have a good 10 games, and right now they they sit at 43 and 47. Let's say they go four and six on the road trip, which would be an unsuccessful road trip. It would be a disappointing 10-game road trip. Then they would be still under 500, obviously. You know, a losing road trip, you're four games under. Now you'd be, what, six games under 500. So it's really, really critical. And you got Darvish pitching in game one of this series. And then on Saturday, you're going to have Snell. And I believe it's going to be Ryan Weathers, according to Dennis Lynn. On Sunday, it's going to be Seth Lugo. And then Monday's an off day before they have that series in Toronto. I believe it's going to be Musgrove for game one. And then Michael Walker, he should be coming off the IL and should be available to pitch for game two in that series. But it's not, it's not just these 10 games. These 10 games are the most important 10 games so far of the season, right? The most important game of the season is tomorrow, right? That's how this team has to look at it. Go 1-0 every day. Don't worry about what happened in the past. Don't worry about the Toronto series coming up or Detroit or when they get back home and have to face Pittsburgh and I think Texas. Worry about Friday night against the Phillies. Go win that game. But even after the 10 games, Pittsburgh, that's a series you got to win, especially when you're under 500 like this. Now, they might be over 500 by the time that they get to Pittsburgh, or by, by the time they get to the Pittsburgh series at home uh, on the 24th, 24th, 25th, 26th, might be over 500 when they get to the Texas series at the end of the month, 28th through the 30th. Uh, and then they go on the road for three in Colorado against the Rockies before coming home to face the Dodgers. Um, so the situation might be different, but even if they are over 500, I don't think they're going to be seven games over 500 or five games over. It's probably going to be two or three. So you're still going to be fighting. You're not going to be in a playoff spot by the end of the month. So it's not just these critical 10 games. It's like every game the rest of the year is going to be critical because of the hole the Padres put themselves in to start this season, right? I mean, they were – how? what's the biggest amount of games under 500 they were? Like, was it eight or six? I forget. But, yeah, it's been bad, obviously – the losing streak uh, against Washington, Pittsburgh, the first Cincinnati game, 
That was really, really bad. Losing three out of four to the Giants, right? They've been under 500 uh, for a while now. So we'll see if they'll be able to get over 500, but they're not going to be in a playoff spot at the end of July. They don't need to be. What matters, obviously, is where they are at the end of the year. Um, But, yeah, these are some really, really critical games. And starting on Friday, Friday night in Philadelphia with Hugh Darvish on the mound. And this Phillies team, this is a team that the Padres can get some games on because it's directly affecting the wild card. Uh, The Phillies, they don't have a wild card spot entering the unofficial second half. They're a half game back of the Giants for the third wild card. But if the Padres can win this series, they'll gain a game on the Phillies and they can keep climbing that ladder, if you will, um, try to keep getting out of that hole that they dug themselves. It's not like they're playing the Royals and they have to rely on the Phillies losing to another team. You know, you can directly do it. Now, this isn't, they're not playing the D backs who are in a wild card spot, but the Phillies could be in a wild card spot. So, yeah, these are really important games. And I think I'll get to the chat here in a little bit. I think some guys that are going to have to step up, obviously, in this second half, no doubt Manny Machado. I mean, he was really bad for Manny Machado standards. He was really bad in the unofficial first half of the season so far this year. I mean, this is his worst year, I believe. Not just with the Pirates, but the worst year that he's had. His OPS plus is over 100, so at least he has that going for him. But I, I, I haven't seen a ton of pop from Manny. Now, he has been playing better as of late, but we'll see how he does coming off the four days rest. His OPS is still under 800. Uh, his on-base percentage is barely above 300. His slugging percentage is not even close to 500. Um, just has not been the same guy as he was last year. Now, maybe it would be – it probably was unfair if anyone expected Manny to repeat the year that he had last year. He was just so good last year. But we were expecting him to be better than this. He was expecting himself to be better than this. Uh, didn't deserve any all-star – consideration really just the way that he played he would tell you that um the defense is there it's always been there but yeah the offense and the injury obviously i'm sure that had an effect but he was playing bad before the injury as well it's not like the injury happened kind of like bogarts right gets hit in the wrist and then he starts stinking it up manny it just has not been working much this year and so hopefully what he did this past homestand hitting much better Hopefully that's the real Manny and he can continue that the rest of the year because I think that's going to be huge. When Manny goes, if you look at the numbers, when Manny goes, this Padres team has success. You can trace it back to the Baltimore Orioles days. When Manny has success or when he had success, the Baltimore Orioles had success. So, um, yeah, he's going to be huge. He's the captain of the team. He's hitting in the middle of the lineup and not just him, but Xander's going to have to be better. Um, You know, the runners in scoring position numbers, they're the worst team in baseball batting average-wise with runners in scoring position. So it's a group effort, but we got it. Obviously, the stars have to be better. Cronenworth, not a superstar, but he got the big contract. He has to be better. Bogarts has to be better. Manny has to be better. Tatis and Soto, I think they've been good. Uh, I think Tatis should have been an all-star. Soto was an all-star. But there's numerous guys in this lineup that have to step it up if the Padres want to go where they want to go, which is 
not just the postseason, but deep into the postseason and go win the World Series. I know that feels like a pipe dream right now, just looking at the record and what they're going to have to do here when the season resumes here on Friday night uh, through the rest of the year. Like it's going to be a, they're going to have to play like 600 baseball, right? To get into the playoffs. Um, So it's going to be tough, but I think that they have the talent to do it. We just haven't seen it consistently. So some of these guys, these big guys, they're going to have to step up for this Padres team. And I think Manny, he's, I know this is kind of like a low barb, but he's going to be better the rest of the year than he was, I think, before the All-Star break. I just believe that. I saw some encouraging signs going into the All-Star break, and hopefully he has this injury stuff past him. And I think Bogarts is definitely going to be better coming out of the All-Star break. Don't know if he's going to sustain it the whole year, hopefully, but or the rest of the year, I should say. But remember, when he got that quarter zone shot in spring training, he started off the season as like, the best hitting shortstop in baseball. He was hitting over 300 through a month plus into the year, right? Getting on base every game. But then he had the wrist issues, got hit by a pitch, um, and he wasn't the same. So hopefully this quarter zone shot, the four days rest, hopefully not picking up a bat, that will only help. He'll be refreshed. He'll be ready to go. And we'll get the April Xander Bogarts for the majority of, the rest of the season, hopefully consistently. And Jake Cronenworth, like him just having a simpler swing, not trying to hit home runs all the time, I think that's going to serve him well, and he'll have more success here the rest of the season. And pitching-wise, I guess we can move into kind of what what I think AJ is going to do at the deadline here. But pitching-wise, I think the bullpen reinforcements are going to be huge. I know, I feel like we're sitting here kind of like, oh no, please, starting rotation, please don't get hurt. Please don't get hurt. Because if someone gets hurt, or geez, if a couple people get hurt, if Darvish and Musgrove or whoever, name two guys in the rotation, if they go down, feels like this rotation screwed. And that is really going to hurt our chances of being into the in the postseason. Because this rotation has been so good. And for the most part, I know Walker's on the shelf, but he's coming back in the Toronto series. The rotation has been healthy. For the most part, I know Lugo had the IL stint, but if someone's on the IL, there's someone that is playing really good um, or he's pitching, he's performing really good, stepping in for the most part, coming in and filling in those shoes. Or if the, if the pitcher that's coming up isn't doing so good, it's one night. The rest of the rotation is performing really, really well. You know, Blake Snell, tremendous, should have been an all-star. Darvish is pitching better, I think. Musgrove is pitching better, more consistent. Um, Lugo's coming back. You know, he has come back. So I like the guys in the rotation. I just don't like the depth. So maybe AJ goes and gets a starting pitcher. I wouldn't be surprised by that just for like a depth move. Uh, maybe someone that is a depth piece somewhere else that isn't being utilized and the Padres can come grab him. I don't have names off the top of my head, but just positionally, maybe a starting pitcher. But I see AJ getting at least one bat and getting a reliever, uh, at least one. I'm not saying that AJ needs to go get four relievers or you know a bunch of relievers because they are, they do have guys coming back. Suarez, Wilson. We we don't know how effective those guys are going to be, but I think adding a reliever 
to Hader, Suarez, Wilson, Garcia, Hill, and Cosgrove. You have six there. Adding one there, I think that can really help this bullpen out. And you could get to a point where you go to anyone in that bullpen, maybe not Garcia, but we'll see if he turns around. Maybe not Hill. We'll see if he turns around. But uh, you go to anyone in that bullpen, and you feel pretty confident in them. I'm hoping that the Padres can get to that point with the bullpen because if they do, if, if the offense does better, that's a good combination. We believe in the rotation, the talent that's healthy, and if the bullpen's good, the lineup, I would think it has to be better. That's going to be a good combo for the Padres and should garner more success than they had, obviously, before the All-Star break this year. Um, relievers on the market, I'm hearing Barlow's name being thrown around, right, from the Royals. I think the Padres, they need to look for guys. Obviously, you want the low salary, but guys that have multiple years of control. or They, they can have multiple years uh, of control because – there are some free agents, obviously, at the end of the year. I think Garcia is a free agent. I forget the others that are free agents, but or Hater, obviously, duh. There's free agents, so you you probably don't want to have to overpay for a reliever in free agency, you know. So I think AJ is going to want someone on a multi-year deal, or at least multiple years of control to bring on in here, right? But yeah, a reliever. We saw how shaky the bullpen was. I think that part of it is because they were overworked. So again, the rest, some guys coming back, I think that will help. Um, And notice I didn't mention Nick Martinez in there because I think if the Padres don't get another starting pitcher and they want to focus on a bat and a reliever, then they can have Nick be a long guy in the bullpen. They can have him be in the rotation. If someone goes down, Um, I, I think, Nick, part of it was being overused. I think part of you know his ineffectiveness near the All-Star break, overuse. Um, but I think that he's really good when he can pitch multiple innings. And you see a lane for him to go in, like a couple innings there, and you just let him eat for that inning or that those two innings, maybe three. I think he likes that role, you know, not ha- not having to come in in a, a hot, maybe I'm sure he likes the high leverage situation, but is that the best role for him? When Suarez comes back, when Wilson comes back, you have Hayter, you have Cosgrove. Don't know if that's the best role for him. So if they can move Martinez to more of a, a what is it, a bridge role, a multi-inning reliever role, maybe he'll have more success there and he'll be more comfortable. And at the same time, you can start to build them up to be a starting pitching option in case someone goes down. Because I would think that someone's going to go on the IL at some point. There's still a lot of games left to play. It doesn't feel like a lot, but that's still a lot of times through the rotation. A lot of things can happen. So I wouldn't be surprised to see, excuse me, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Padres try to have Nick, try to build Nick up to be a multi-inning guy here uh, post all-star break. All right, quick break here, and then I will get to the chat. Actually, I'll, before getting to the chat, I wanted to talk about the need for a bat with the Padres. Check out Gaglione Bros Famous Cheesesteaks and Garlic Fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionebros.com, for their entire menu 
and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right, so I hit on the rotation. Maybe the Padres get an extra arm in the rotation, but I feel like their focus is going to be on getting a bat and maybe an extra reliever. There were some flaws there, right? We saw that in the bullpen. Feels like they need some help. And lineup-wise, it definitely needs some help. Having Matt Carpenter in there, sorry, that's not good enough to be the DH every day for the rest of the season. Sorry, not good. I like the signing at the time, but right now it looks really bad. He has a 74 OPS plus. League average is 100. His OPS is 614. His slugging percentage is only 14 points higher than his on-base percentage. He's slugging 314. There's no power there. Four home runs. At one point early in the year, he was one of the leaders in RBIs, but that has slowed down, obviously. Negative war this year, according to baseball reference. Like It's kind of like Nelson Cruz where it's limited. I know he's can, he can play first, but I don't think the Padres want to do that consistently with him. And it's not like his bat is showing off, and it's like, yeah, let's put him at first base because we can get his bat in the lineup. No. He's not really doing anything for this team. So they need to get an upgrade there. Maybe it's not a DH that they go acquire. Maybe they move. Who would it be that they move? Maybe they have Bogart's DH more and they have Kim move to, to short, Crony at second. Maybe they have, I don't know, Dixon DH a little bit before the deadline, before they pick up a bat. But Carpenter, is, it's just he's just not the guy. It's just not working. So they could get a direct DH, or I think it's preferred, the Padres, they go get someone that can play first and DH, or they go get a corner outfielder. They get a right fielder. I know Cody Bellinger's name is being thrown around. He does play center. He can play first. He can play a corner outfield spot. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but I don't know if the Padres think that it's worth it to go get Bellinger because it's only a one-year deal, so he'd probably leave in free agency, and They'd have to give him, I think, I think they'd have to pay him eight, eight, nine million dollars somewhere around there, because it's prorated for the rest of the year. It's a one-year deal for Belly. So, do they want to do that? Where does that put them with the luxury tax? You know, I don't know if they want to do that. So, getting someone maybe multiple years of control can play corner outfield or can play first as well. And I say corner outfield because which center fielder? is out there on the market that you think is an upgrade over Trent Grisham. You know, Bellinger is is one that stands out, but who else? Who else is out there, you know? So I'm looking at corner outfield because there's someone that's going to be available there. Someone. It, It could be a rental, but preferably a guy with multiple years of control. Move Fernando over to center field, which is where he we know he wants to play center field over right field. He's said... He's expressed his desire. I think he expressed his desire in spring training about playing center field. So put him in center. He has the arm for it. He can help cover ground and left center with Soto and left. Bring in a right fielder, someone that can play right, because I think they want Soto and left. And I think that makes your team better. You can have Grish come in, be a defensive replacement late in games if you have a lead, if you don't like the defender in right. I don't, I don't know if the Padres are going to 
bench Trent. I don't know if they're going to trade Trent Grisham. Which team wants Trent Grisham? You know, I think there'd be some interest, but it wouldn't be maybe as much as some fans think just because the offense, the consistency on offense hasn't been there. Feels like he strikes out too much. We know he brings it with the glove. We know it, but that's not good enough for a, a team that wants to be in the world series. I don't, especially, especially a team that has some other areas that um, are troubling offensively. You know, maybe if the Padres had Matt Carpenter hitting 30 home runs, this Grish thing wouldn't be a, as big of an issue. Right. But here we are because the DH hasn't really done anything, you know? So I, I see the Padres trying to upgrade, get a bat outfield, maybe someone that can do that. Obviously if you can play the outfield and you're there as a bat, you can DH as well. So I see the Padres doing that. Let's see if there's any names that are being thrown out there in the chat. Joseph says Lane Thomas. Yeah, I do see that name being thrown around. So I'm going to look up Lane Thomas and his contract. Because that is being thrown around the Nationals. They're not ready to win right now. Is it a one-year deal? Or that's just... No, okay. He's in arbitration. So the Padres would have Lane Thomas for this year. They'd have him for next year. And they'd have him for 2025. So he's only making a little over $2 million this year. So yeah, that seems like that would make sense. But do the Nationals see Lane Thomas as one of the core pieces for them? I'm not so sure about that. I think they want Hassel and Wood to be up at some point here. Um, so yeah, that could be a fit. But to be honest, I'm not going to act like I know. What would the Nationals want in return for Lane Thomas? Is it is Lane Thomas deserving of a prospect? Because if he is, then I probably don't want Lane Thomas. And I don't know about you, but does Lane Thomas feel like Maybe an Adam Frazier, what could happen? Not saying like he wouldn't fit the Padres in terms of positionally like Adam Frazier, but someone that, yeah, really good numbers. You know, he said, look, he has 14 home runs, so more power than Adam Frazier. But hitting over 300, he's on a team that doesn't win. Trade him over here. And I think Frazier had multiple years of control at the time of that deal. You trade him over here and maybe just doesn't do anything, struggles out of the out of the gate with the Padres, struggles the rest of the year, and, you know, that trade doesn't look that great. Now they could keep him for the next couple of years and it ends up working, but I don't know. that For some reason, my mind connected Lane Thomas a little bit with Adam Frazier, and it's probably unfair to Lane Thomas to do that, to connect that to him because it's two different players and it seems like Lane Thomas has more power. But just two guys that, you know, it's, it's okay, really good years. But were they doing that every year? Like, so Lane Thomas in 2022, he hit 241. This year he's hitting 302. I know batting averages and everything, but what's the story there? Like, who's the real Lane Thomas? 2021 hit 235. 
the biggest sample size that he's had was last year. And he didn't have as good of a year last year as he's had this year. So who is the real Lane Thomas? How much would the Nationals be asking for? I don't know. But yeah, that's a name that makes sense in terms of uh, can play corner outfield. And maybe he could play center. Not sure. Maybe he could play center. Um, But I assume that this is a guy that the Padres would be interested in because of the multiple years of control. So, yeah, seems like he would fit. JD's third says Jake Marisnik is off the market now. We're doomed. That trade still is mind-boggling. I remember that. It was 2021 or 2020. I think it was 2021, right? Yeah, because that was the collapse, right? I think. Padres, Jake Marisnik. Let me see here. Yeah, 2021. That was during the collapse, or right before it. Remember? Or at least I remember. I was watching MLB Network, and there was like a minute left till the deadline. And I'm like, okay, are the Padres going to make any moves here? I believe the I believe most of the fan base wanted the Padres to go get starting pitching. And they didn't do it. They were sitting around, didn't do it. And you see a trade happen. I'm like, oh, okay, here's the starting pitcher. And it ended up not being a starting pitcher. It ended up being Jake Marisnik when we already had a gold glove center fielder in Trent Grisham. It just did not make sense. And that was the same deadline they traded for Adam Frazier, obviously, like we just discussed. And he ended up playing some left field because he just didn't fit positionally. That was weird. That was a weird deadline. And the Padres, they dealt Anderson Espinosa to the Cubs in the Marisnik deal. So I was like, okay, so they're giving up on Espinosa and they're acquiring a guy that they didn't need. A guy that doesn't hit. He has no power. He's not an offensive player. He's like a defensive replacement. And they already have a defensive replacement playing center field. It just didn't make sense. So hopefully we don't see that from AJ this trade deadline. And he actually makes moves that makes sense for the Padres um, and, you know, fills the positions of need. So again, I think that, you know, adding a reliever will help and definitely adding a bat. Maybe they add a couple bats, but definitely adding a bat that should help. All right. Let's see what some of you are saying in the chat here. Thanks so much for being here. Most are probably listening to this on Friday before this Padres Philly series gets underway, or you're watching this on replay on YouTube. Padres Phillies getting underway later on Friday. Four game series, game one on Friday, games two and three on Saturday, game four on Sunday, a scheduled doubleheader on Saturday. It's a weird series right out of the all-star break, but the good thing is these guys are rested. Fly God 97 says excited for the second half. I hope this team goes on a long winning streak. Amen. David says, if Padres win at a 600 clip, that would get them to about 85 wins. Maybe not enough, but at least within striking range. Yeah, I think 85 wins probably is just not enough. I think the pace is like 87, or at least last year, I think the last, was it the Phillies? I think they were the last wild card. They got in with 87 wins. Um, So yeah, don't know if that will get it done. They're going to have to play really well. 
But I get your point, David. Like, yeah, they're going to have to play really good baseball. And I think they have the talent to do it. I think getting some extra pieces will help. Not, but it's not big pieces, you know? So I'm not saying, like, we're waiting for Otani to come here and then they'll go on the run. Like, there's no Otani coming, you know? Doesn't seem like Corbin Burns is going to get dealt. So there's no big move coming. I would be shocked if there's some big move up Preller's sleeve. I think it's going to be some marginal moves on the edges. I also forgot to mention 2021. Yeah, so they don't trade for starting pitching. And they decide to go sign Jake Arrieta and Vince Velasquez to fill out their rotation there as they were collapsing. Jeez, uh, I'd like to forget that year. Jake Arrieta just going for the paycheck, it seemed like, because, oh, my hamstrings hurt. And then he was seen on the golf course the next day. Padres, I think, released him quick. Uh, Vince Velasquez, don't remember if he pitched good or not, but it was still like, Vince Velasquez, that's the guy you're bringing in here when you could have made moves at the deadline. But yeah, I mean, they, they had a good start to 2021. That's probably why I'm still obviously irritated about it because they had a chance and they choked that chance away. You know, they they collapsed. Alex says, Padres 7-3 and three this road trip and we'll be back at 500. Is that right? Yeah, because they're four games under. Yep. So I, I will take a seven and three road trip for sure. That's taking steps forward. When was they haven't been at 500 since when? May? Let me see here. Sorry, by the way, if the camera's moving on my laptop here, I'm typing. So it's moving the screen. I don't have my laptop sitting on a table. So it's a little off balance. Okay. The last time they were at 500 was, wow, May 11th. I think that's, I'm looking at it right. 19 and 19 when they lost to the Twins. That was that series finale there in Minnesota. And that was, I believe, the game, or after the game, Bowmel. That was the first time, maybe, was it the first time? I think it was the first time this year where he, like, called out the team publicly to the media and was like, yeah, this team's got to show a little bit more fight. So, yeah, last time they were at 500, that was a while ago. And 19 and 18, the Padres were the day before that, obviously, so. It's been a long time since they've had a winning record. So, yeah, Alex, I will take a 7-3 and three road trip for sure. Again, the road trip, Philly to Toronto and then to Detroit. James says, we need the Giants to take a crap for us to get a chance. Uh, it, that would help. That would help for sure. JD's third says Soto to Philly confirmed he flew back with the Phillies after the All-Star game. Yikes. Yeah, so I think it was JD's third that was commenting this on YouTube to me about Hater not going with the Philly, not being invited on the Phillies flight. I didn't see anything about that on social media or anything like that. So I have no idea about whatever that is. 
if that's the case, I'm not reading anything into that. Maybe Soto knows some people from the Phillies. He did play in the NL East. And maybe he wanted to go straight to Philly. And Josh Hader, maybe he wanted to go back to San Diego. Or he wanted to take a quick day vacation somewhere else. Uh, or wherever his home is in the offseason. I'm not reading too much into that. So I wouldn't say Soto to Philly confirmed. I think the Phillies have, I assume they still have something. I know they gave a bunch of money to Harper and Trey Turner, but I think they'd still have one big contract left in them, and Juan Soto would would be a guy to give the big contract to. So, yeah, I think they'll be in on the Soto sweepstakes when he's a free agent, but I'm not reading anything into a flight to Philly because the two teams were playing there after the all-star break. I'm not going to read into that. Gil says Ichiro. <laughs> yeah. Prime Ichiro would be nice to add to this team, huh? Well, I mean, maybe it wouldn't. He'd probably end up not being able to find any holes kind of as that slap hitter. No success he would have in San Diego. Cause that's what happens when players get traded to San Diego, right? They just go from an all-star to underperforming and disappointing, at least at the beginning. Soda's been better, but it was disappointing when he first came over. Josh Bell, eh, jury was pretty good. Uh, but Adam Frazier, obviously, that did not work out at all. So, yeah. There's obviously free agency moves that we don't have to discuss. We don't have to mention that have come over after being all-stars and World Series champs, gold glove winners, and then sucking when they come over here. Chris says, how funny would it be if Preller traded for Tim Anderson? Yeah, how many shortstops do you need on the roster, AJ? No. To be honest, like, anyone, anyone who was watching my reaction when Bogey was signed, I liked the move. I understood, like, yeah, contract's probably not going to look that great at the end, but I understood the move. The first base market was not great. They didn't want to bring Brandon Drury back at the price tag that he was asking for, I guess. Or maybe he already signed with the Angels. I forget the timing there. But Abreu already went to the Astros. They were trying to get him. Uh, just the first base mark. Rizzo went to the Yankees, right? He went back. So those were probably two guys that they wanted, and they weren't able to get him. So AJ trying to go all in. Peter also trying to go all in. They tried for Judge. They tried for Turner. Didn't get either of them. So they tried to go those routes first. Then they went to Bogarts. They wanted to construct the best lineup that they could. Figure out the positions later. You can move Tatis to the outfield. You'll figure it out later. You'll figure out Bogey's position in five years. If he can't be at short, you'll figure that out later, right? You're just trying to get the best team. You're going all in. So I understood it. Hasn't worked out great, but I think it's still definitely too early to, you know, say, oh, this Bogart's contract is the worst contract ever. I see some people earlier this year comparing it to Eric Hosmer. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's slow it down. Pump the brakes. You know, this is year one. It's not even the end of year one. Relax. Uh, but yeah. Tim Anderson, that's not going to, 
maybe the White Sox do deal Tim Anderson because the White Sox aren't going anywhere. Man, are they one of the more disappointing teams in the last like five years, right? With all the talent and all the hype that they had. And look what they've done. Pretty much nothing. Uh, yeah, they've been disappointing. But Tim Anderson, yeah, not going to the Padres. Maybe he goes to the Dodgers, to be honest, because I think he kind of fits their team, does he not? Chad says, bring the gold, Schmidt. Goldsmith would fit positionally, right? First base. Obviously, it could be a DH bat. Um, and the Cardinals, they have him under contract, I think, through next year, right? I don't see Goldsmith being dealt. I don't see Arenado being dealt. I see some other guys on their team being dealt. Um, maybe the Padres go get someone like Tyler O'Neill. Maybe they get someone like... Would Lars Newt Bar be traded? I don't know. Maybe Dylan Carlson. Because the, the Cardinals, they do have a good amount of outfielders. And they want to clear up some spots, it feels like. They're not going to go anywhere this year. They've been like the biggest disappointment this year. I know they don't let the payroll of the Padres and Mets, but they're worse, way worse than the Padres and the Mets this year. And they were supposed to win the NL Central. And they're nowhere close. They're one of the worst teams in the National League. So, yeah. The Cardinals are going to be selling. So there's there's some guys on there that I think the Padres are going to be interested in. And you'll see those names floated around here uh, before the deadline. I'm uh, just going through the, the chat here. James says, the Padres, they went to Bogarts first and circled back to him when Judge and Turner didn't pan out. They might have met with Bogarts first just because of timing when he was available, but it was clear that their plan A was Trey Turner. Then when that didn't work out, it was like a two-hour pivot, it felt like. Okay, we're meeting with Aaron Judge, secret meeting at Petco Park tonight, right? And they didn't get that done, obviously. That was never going to happen. He took the meeting, but it wasn't going to happen. Um he was he wanted to go back to the Yankees. Trey Turner wanted to be on the East Coast, him and his family. So those weren't going to happen. I don't think it's because of the Padres. I think it was just their circumstances. And then you go to Bogarts. Yeah. I would have been interested in seeing Dansby Swanson on this team. Uh, anyone that has seen this, listened to the show, watched the show, I, I you've probably heard me talk about Dansby. I love Dansby. Um, that would have been tremendous, I think, to have him on this team. He's great defensively at shortstop. And I know that they'd still have to have Crony at first and Kim at second. But Dansby is a winner. Just, just I, I think Bogarts is in that same category. Um, maybe Dansby ends up aging a little bit better than Bogarts, to be honest. And it would have been less money. So I would have been fine with either. Um, and so I'm going to still stick with that standpoint. Like, I'm excited about this Bogarts contract. Um, for the next decade, and it's too early to determine if this this was a bad con this was a bad decision by the Padres or not. Yeah, Chad loves Dansby as well. Uh, he's a winner, man. He is a winner. All right, I wanted to get to the Padres schedule for 2024 that was released today. I don't want to spend too much time on it just because we're all focused on this year, obviously. But obviously, 2024 schedule, it starts out 
in Seoul, in South Korea, Padres and the Dodgers, the Padres and Dodgers, they each gave up one home game for 2024. So I believe it's going to be 80 home games for the Padres next year. They obviously had the Mexico City Series this year, and then they're going to start next season internationally. Games that will count March 20th through the 21st. Then they also open the season at home against the Giants. So 20 and 21st, and then against the Giants on, I think that's the 28th, right? Or 26th? Sorry, this computer, I can't zoom in on it right now. So let me pull this up from the Padres here. Okay, the 28th, yes. So 20th and 21st in South Korea against the Dodgers, two games that count. That'll be fun. Ha Sung Kim, he was in that promo video, so I would think he's not going to get traded, but who the heck knows. Uh, San Francisco Giants, 28th through the 31st. Four games set there. First homestand of the regular season for the Padres. Then they have three against St. Louis at home. And then they have their first road trip, which is just three games. Well, I guess South Korea is the road trip, but that's a big road trip. A lot of air miles there. Uh, But three games against the Giants, and then they come back home. So there's a lot of home games to start off for the Padres. And... What I noticed here is, is some of the American League opponents. The Blue Jays, I think, is a fun one. The New York Yankees. And these are teams that are going to be at Petco. There's teams like the Angels that uh, the Padres go to. But there's going to be the Mariners coming to town. There's going to be the Minnesota Twins. I'm in Minnesota, so maybe some of my family will be in San Diego for that. We'll see. Uh, Detroit, I don't think anyone cares, but the Astros, they come to town. The White Sox come to town. What's with the Padres playing the White Sox late in the year? It feels like every year in September they're playing the White Sox. But yeah, so Blue Jays, Astros, Twins, Yankees, those will be some fun series next season. Um, I did notice in September the Padres, they don't have to leave the Pacific time zone. The home games, Detroit, well, I guess if you count September, I guess you have to count September 1st. September 1st against the Rays, it's in Tampa. But September 2nd, that's your that homestand, so obviously San Diego. Then they go to Seattle, San Francisco, back home, L.A., at L.A., at Arizona to end the year. So that should help. And hopefully the Padres are in a better spot at this time next year. And in September, that will give them maybe a, an advantage. So there's, there's rest days, obviously. There's, there's a good amount. There's like five rest days in the month of September. One's on a Tuesday, a couple on Mondays, a couple on Thursdays. Um, it feels like just glancing at it. Now, I, I'm, I'm not comparing this year's schedule to next year, just looking at both at the same time, but it feels like there's more rest days or not more rest days, but the rest days are more balanced next year. Remember this year, the Padres, they started off the season, I think with one rest day in almost the entire first month of the year. 
I think I have that correct, or maybe it was two rest days. In April next month, or next season, excuse me, they have a rest day for three consecutive Thursdays, the 4th, the 11th, and the 18th. So that will help. Might not have to be a six-man rotation right out of the gate. And then in May, there's rest days, three consecutive Thursdays, four Thursdays in the month, four out of the five. May 2nd, May 9th, May 16th, May 30th. So there's more balanced rest days here, especially at the beginning of the year. So I think that's that's good for the Padres, obviously. I know MLB probably made that better for the Padres this next season because of that long trip to South Korea. But I don't care. I mean, it's going to be fun to see them in South Korea. I don't know if I'm going, but it'll be fun to see the Padres and Dodgers playing over there. Hassan Kim getting a lot of love because we've seen the Mexico thing now, you know, multiple times and that's cool and all, but seeing them in South Korea, imagine if the Padres have Otani. I know he's not going, it's not Japan, but imagine if that happens. That's, that's obviously a pipe dream. I don't see the Padres landing Otani, but just imagine if that happens or who's the guy Jung Ho Lee, I think is his name. Kim, I think is good friends with them. Imagine if he's on the Padres, because I think he can come to Major League Baseball next season. So imagine if that happens. And I'm sure there's a lot of fans that love Darvish over there too. So I think I think it's going to be fun. So that's a little bit about next year's schedule. Obviously the focus on this year though. Padres, by the way, there's some opponents on the road, which are pretty cool, that they're going to get to go to. Um, Obviously, Angels at Boston, so Don's going to be able to go back to Boston. That's cool for him. And then I think for the first time non-COVID, Padres go to Texas because the no-hitter happened, obviously, but that was with COVID. Um, I think there were limited fans. They go to Baltimore, so I think that's the second time the Padres will be going to Baltimore since Manny has been a Padre. Um, at Seattle, a couple games in Seattle. So yeah, there's some some good road games as well. Maybe some good road trips. What's going on in the chat here? I see some people. Did JD's third start this about me going to South Korea? Oh no, Chad did. Okay, you're gonna be in South Korea, Ben. I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. That's I don't know. Have anyone looked up those the flights? How much money that costs? to go there and back from San Diego. That's a lot of money. Don't know. I'm going to need some super chats to make that happen. <laughs> I'll tell you that. JD's third says Dansby wouldn't come to San Diego because of AJ. He is limited in who he can bring to San Diego. I disagree with that. He wouldn't come to San Diego because of AJ. Like he has some personal beef with AJ Preller. I didn't know that. I just don't think the Padres were as interested in him as they were Trey Turner, Aaron Judge, and Xander Bogarts, which I would have been I, – I don't know if I would have been more interested in Dansby than Bogey, 
but it would probably be pretty close. I'm, I'm a big Dansby fan. I think the Cubs got a really good one there. He's a winner. He plays every day. He's a great defender at short. So he reminds me a little bit of J, uh, of Crony. Maybe not versatility-wise. Like He's a shortstop. We get that with Dansby. But he plays every day. He's one of the leaders on the team. JD's third says, I could see Ben in South Korea. <laughs> it's an awesome place to visit. Loved it. Cleanest airport. All right. Yeah, I mean, compared to America, yeah. I think it feels like everyone's cleaner than us, huh? James says, Preller is in love with Otani. He would spend a billion dollars if he could land Otani. Yeah, I mean, it's not his money. It's it's Seidler's money. But yeah, he loves Otani, obviously. Um, he literally, when he met with Otani, he spent the time beforehand memorizing a speech in Japanese. I think it was like five minutes long, just off the top of his, or not off the top of his head, but from his head in Japanese to, to Shohei and probably his interpreter and whoever else was there. I don't think other GMs did that. No, Padres, they were at a disadvantage because they didn't have the DH at that time. It would I would have been very curious to see what Shohei would have done if the Padres had the DH at that time. Because I think if they had the DH, they would have definitely been one of the finalists. They allowed a meeting. I think now that there is a DH and the Padres are spending this money, they're going to get a meeting with Shohei. I think. I'd be surprised if they didn't get a meeting. And we'll see what happens there. I don't think he's coming, but I can't wait to see how that all unfolds. Obviously, I can wait if it ends up him being with the Dodgers, but hoping that doesn't happen. Him being in Seattle, I think that would be cool. Shout out to the Seattle fans. I don't know if I said that the other night after the All-Star game, but them chanting, come to Seattle, the Shohei, that was pretty cool. All right. I wanted to get to one other San Diego sports topic here. I don't know if I should put it under talking Aztecs or loyal. It's probably Aztecs because it was at the Aztecs stadium at Snapdragon. Um, U.S. men's national team. I'm not going to talk about this for a while, but U.S. men's national team played against Panama at Snapdragon yesterday, so on Wednesday, in the Gold Cup semis. And at the beginning of the tournament, I was like, that would be cool if U.S. would be able to come to San Diego. I didn't know if it was going to be Mexico's side that would make it or it would be the United States side, but it was the U.S. And they had a chance to win that game. They end up losing on penalty kicks. That was their second consecutive game where they had penalty kicks. They win, obviously, I think it was in Cincinnati, to advance to the semis, but they weren't able to win here. They had chances early in the game. There was one off the ball, uh, off the uh, off the post. I think Moreno, who's from Chula Vista, he had a chance. Ferreira had a chance. There were chances in this match for the United States before Panama even scored that first goal, which, by the way, was on the United States. I mean, Matt Turner... I don't know if it was on Matt Turner because he was trying to go make a play because the defense wasn't there. Was it on Matt? Was it on the defense? Maybe it was a combination of the two. But he comes out of the box, and so obviously he can't use his hands, 
and Panama, easy goal past him. There's no one behind him, obviously. And then in extra time, Ferreira comes up and has a tremendous goal. Go watch that. It's probably on YouTube. Uh, That was a fantastic volley goal right there from Ferreira. So it's a tie game. Going to penalty kicks, and Turner, I guess, didn't have the same magic that he had in the match before because Panama, did they make every, I don't think they made every, maybe they did. I think they missed one. I think Turner blocked one shot, but they were really good. And Turner, obviously, there was one that was hit right down the middle. And obviously, it's hard because he's guessing. So he guessed wrong right down the middle. Um, and then at the end, the last two, United States, it was like their sixth penalty kick. And I forget who it was, but it was down left, down corner, lower left corner of the net, and just wasn't a good shot. Didn't have much on it. Got blocked. And then next one, Panama ends it. Top left. Turner can't get to it. Perfect shot. And Panama advances. And so they're, I believe, going to face Mexico in the Gold Cup final. But that was a really cool event. I, I, I know it was really hot in San Diego, at least from what I saw. I was watching it at the end there. And so I don't think that's like a reflection on, oh, San Diego didn't show up. There was over 30,000 fans there. So they did show up, and at the end there especially, it was a really good atmosphere, it looked like, on television. Um, and that kind of got my mind spinning, like what Sandy, what events do we want to see in San Diego? John Schaefer put a, a video out about this uh, as well, I think, earlier today, so I'm kind of stealing this from him. So props to him for that. But like, what's the next event that we want to see? There's been some cool ones. Obviously, there's concerts, the Padres, the Wave. U.S. men's national team. Um, they just had the World Lacrosse, World Lacrosse Championships, right, uh, at Snapdragon. Like, there's been cool stuff. I'm probably for uh, the rugby, right, Legion. Um, there's been some cool stuff. Uh, last year, the college basketball that they had, I think it was on, was it on the Midway or it was on another ship? Like, there's been some cool events. But what's that next one? And for me, it's obvious. For me, it's the U.S. Women's National Team. Get that team into San Diego for a friendly. I think that's a no-brainer. After the World Cup, I mean, Alex Morgan is the face of the U.S. Women's National Team, right? She plays for the San Diego Wave. Naomi Gurma is, like, I think, going to emerge as a star in this World Cup. In the world of soccer, I think she's already a star. Like, people in soccer know who she is, obviously. But... The, the casuals that don't watch, um, they're going to know her name by the end of this World Cup. She's going to be huge for the U.S. She plays for the Wave. Um, have a friendly. For, you know, San Diego, they have the best crowd, largest crowds in the NWSL. Over 30,000 fans in, at that first Wave game last year. Over 25,000 fans at the, the playoff game against Chicago. I mean, it feels like a no-brainer to have the U.S. Women's National Team come to San Diego. It's not bad weather. You have two faces of the team playing for the Wave. You have Jill Ellis, who used to be the head coach. She's now the president of the team, right? Like, it just makes sense. So 
That's the event I want is U.S. Women's National Team at Snapdragon Stadium. That place would sell out so quick, so quick. And the U.S. men's team coming here, that was cool. Man United, totally forgot to mention this. Man United and Wrexham, that's going to be cool. Uh, obviously just had the Gold Cup. Loyal against Dortmund, that's going to be great. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Maybe I shouldn't be surprised that they haven't come yet because those matches, those friendlies, it takes time to be scheduled out. But if they don't come in the next couple years, I think that's that's a mistake on whoever decides where they go. Is it this, the U.S. Soccer Federation? It's on them if that's who decides it. Like, feels like a no-brainer to come to San Diego. Let me see what some other... Is there any other... Does anyone else have an event that you want to see come to San Diego next? There's some people still talking about the Padres, so I'll go back to that. But if you have any, like, let me know. The U.S. team stands out to me immediately. Paul says Padres need a calmer trade deadline. This, uh, excuse me, the needs on this team are minimal and don't need another superstar. Don't want to pull from an already thin farm. Yeah, I agree. I think most of the moves the Padres are going to make, maybe it's just a move, not moves. But what they're going to do is moves on the margin. I think it's going to be reliever another bat i don't think it's going to be some superstar right like they do need to keep this farm system going right don't take away from it you have talent those guys just need to be better yeah chad says the incomplete snapdragon that's what who said that that was uh the saquon chairman i think at the mls event the mls the San Diego MLS um, fan get together, whatever, whenever that was this past week, I think Tuesday. I think San Diego FC, which is probably what their name's going to be. By the way, Tom Penn, the CEO, he said that the name and the colors they're hoping to announce that in September. I thought it was supposed to be this summer, but they're pushing that back. I guess they already know what it is. I assume it's San Diego FC as the name. That's what their website is. It feels like that makes sense, um, and I'm fine with it. But yeah, the incomplete. Someone said that was it. Nath, what's his name? The the Saquon. Saquon leader. Cody is it? Cody Martinez is that his name? I think that's his name. I think he's the one that said that at the MLS event. The, like it's incomplete. They thought that they there should have been more shade at Snapdragon, but they're not going to do it because of MLS games at night. They don't need to. It would cost more money. I don't. I don't know if Snapdragon's incomplete. Maybe there should be more shade. I think there would be fans that would tell you there needs to be more shade. But if if the events are at night, then no, Snapdragon's not incomplete. Uh, now, there's going to be upgrades like to the locker rooms and stuff, but at the time of the stadium, there was no MLS team coming. We didn't know. San Diego didn't know an MLS team was coming. You know? So they couldn't. it's not like they could control that.
Chad says the World Series. Yes, that would be a great event to come to San Diego. <laughs> yes. I was thinking about, obviously, things that could come that aren't, like, based on uh, how the team does, obviously, because that's that's based on the Padres' results, right? Um, but just, like, fun events, you know, like those soccer friendlies, some soccer tournaments, you know, that's I guess that's what I was thinking. Yes, the World Series, yes. That needs to come to San Diego soon. I would love that, obviously. And I'm speaking for all Padres fans. All right. I think that's going to do it. Talking for hours, episode 427. Thank you all for the time. Have a great rest of your night or great rest of your day if you're listening or watching this on Friday. Ben Fadden signing off here from Minnesota. I'll be back in San Diego for the next show, or at least that's the plan. Again, thank you so much for the time. I appreciate it. You have been listening to episode 427 of the Talking Fires podcast and YouTube show. See ya. Thank you.